The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Okay. I need to tell you all about my favorite thing on the planet bark box. Yes, I've talked about it now for several episodes. And if you have not gone on BarkBox.com and used your code JudgingMegan, I'm going to tell you why you should. You can subscribe for either a six-month package or a year package, and you then get a free month. So say you do it for six months, and then you'll get the seventh month free. And honestly, if you are an animal person like me, which I'm going to talk about in a second, as usual, which might be annoying to people because I'm constantly talking about my dogs, but you know what? I'm going to again. So get ready for it. Barkbox.com forward slash judging Megan. You will get a monthly box with treats, organic treats for your dog and really cute toys. Um, Many of those toys are now in my backyard sitting in bushes, buried under trees. Um, But guess what? The good news is you'll get a new one every month. And I just love it. So does Rosie and so does Ruthie. Okay, everyone, welcome to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. You know, I was just telling my guests before I started, I usually always have a story that you know I share in the beginning of my episodes. And I have all this stuff going on right now, like not not bad, but just like I'm overwhelmed with minutia. I know we all get like that. And I, I had a story because I usually think about them like the night before. I'm like, what am I going to talk about tomorrow? What's my story? Blah, blah, blah. Or sometimes they just happen to me as I'm walking up the stairs to record. But um, my story today is just talking about my lovely husband who loves me so much. Um, this is a joke. He does love me, but he also thinks I'm extremely irritating. And um, we've been together for over 20 years. If you're a new listener, 
Yes. Over 20 years, met very young. We basically met when I was 15. Let's be real. I'm super young. Um, And he made fun of me last night because I, as you all know, I have my lab, Ruthie. I have two labs. One's chocolate, one's black. Ruthie is my year and a half old chocolate lab. She is a complete nightmare. She's so bad. But I am in this like lovers of like chocolate labs Facebook group. And so I posted this video and I like, you know, I was like, ha ha ha. And I'm like going messaging back and forth with all the members. And my husband's like, you are such a dork. Why are you in this like Facebook group? What are you doing? And like, I think all these people are my friends. I must add with that. And I've talked about this before. Also a huge lover of Jeff Lewis and Jeff Lewis Live. I listen to it every morning five days a week. I'm also in a Jeff Lewis live fan club on Facebook as well. So if you all want to make fun of me, go for it. I know it's super nerdy, but like, let's, let's embrace our nerdy sides. Let's just, I mean, I'm old. Who cares? I'm going to be on Facebook fan groups. One of my best friends last night told me he's also in a dog fan group of (laughs) Facebook, and I am going to start the show and introduce my guest. Well, welcome, everyone. If you're a new listener to Judging Megan, I am so thankful that you found me. I am so thankful to be here and doing something I love so much and sharing stories of inspiration and people getting through the hardest things that you can imagine. My guest today is one of them. Um, And I love doing this. It, it, It fulfills me. It fills my soul. Um, it, it, it helps me get out positive. Um, as I said in my last, um, episode, manifesting positive things, getting through hard things. We're all put on this planet to help each other and get through things. And Marie, who I'm going to introduce in a second is one of those people. Um, Marie Neal, welcome to judging Megan. It's so nice to meet you on video. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you. Um, so, Mar- so I'm going to say how I know Marie. Um, my, I get guests all different ways. Some reach out to me, some are listeners, some I find myself, um, some are authors, some are singers, some are actors, whatever they are. But I had a guest uh, many episodes ago. His name is John Stenzel, and he works in the mental health space. And so sometimes I have doctors come on or specialists come on. And I must tell you that John is an angel. He's one of those people on the, that just does, he lives his life to help others and do the right thing. And I try to be like that. I try to aspire to be like that every day. Not always easy. Um, but I would like to thank John for introducing Marie to me. Um, and Marie's story is one that um, is not an easy one to tell. And she's a very inspirational person. She's been through a lot. So welcome, Marie. I'm really appreciative that you chose this space, this safe space to share your story. Um, And just know that um, I have been through stuff in my life as well. Um, I've talked openly about a few years ago, um, being in such a bad place that I didn't want to live. And so I chose to do this so I can always share these stories um, 
in case somebody's going through loss, grief, whatever it is to help other people. So um, we're just going to get right into your story. Tell me where you're from. Well, actually, um, I grew up in L.A. County, which in La Puente. But to be honest, I really didn't grow up there because I, as a child, my parents constantly send me away to Mexico. So honestly, I grew up in Mexico. I was born here, but I grew up in Mexico in a village. What, what can you share? What part of Mexico? Of or, okay. Um, I'm going to say it in Spanish, Guadalajara, Jalisco. Yeah. So Guadalajara, Jalisco. Yeah. <laughs> um, at that time, it was kind of like a village, but then our village started growing. So now it's a big Pueblo. Um, at that time, because I'm one of the first generations who was not allowed to interact with anyone. The women, we would go to the river and hand wash our clothes. When it's time to make breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we have to serve the men. We're not allowed to eat with the men. When the men have a break, as women, we would go to the ranch and go cut the corns with the machetes. So I didn't have an an opportunity to be a kid. Yeah. Um, so, so but, would you say your childhood, cause I know we're going to get into some things that are not easy. We are. Um, would you say that your childhood was, you kind of feel like you were robbed of a childhood were, were there happy parts? I Yes. Yes. To be honest with you, Megan, I never had a happy part. All I can remember starting at age five and six, all I remember is constantly being hit by my mom. My dad would hit me when he's severely drunk, but I do have other siblings, but I was the only child who was constantly being beaten, rejected, bullied. You know, my mom did horrible things to me. Um, I wish I could share my some stories with my daughters and tell them like what an amazing childhood I have, but I can't, you know, I, at my culture, we're not allowed to talk. We're not allowed to go get help. We're not allowed to ask, can I see a therapist so I could cry? No, we were never allowed to do that. Is it, is it so in your culture? Is it still like that now? Is it frowned upon? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Which is so unfortunate. Yes. And, and not, not okay. And I understand that it's like that. That's why, you know, it's so important to normalize mental health and telling our stories and sharing our stories, which I know, you know, um, so grow, so growing up, you were kind of back and forth. You, you, were you schooled in Mexico or you schooled in the United States? No. Schooled in United States, but I would miss weeks of school because of my bruising. There were times that my mom would just go nuts and starts beating me. So afraid of being reported to child protective services, you know, she would call him and tell him that I was sick, which I wasn't, you know, I was hiding, you know, for me hiding, I would always hide in the closet because I felt that was my safe place. Every time when I hear my dad coming, I, you know, I hear his thick belt. Oh, here he comes. He's going to hit me. But what did I do wrong? I mean, I, 
all I wanted is for my parents to love me and to accept me. You know, part of it was jealousy that my parents gave love to my other siblings, but never to me. So yeah, and, I would. And were you, Marie, were you the oldest? No, I'm the second. So why, why did they, why have you ever figured out, or I don't know if you're still in contact, asked or no. why it was you, why all the, the abuse went to you? Sometimes I wonder, to be honest, I don't look like my siblings. So I feel that my mom had an affair and that's why my dad hated me. My dad's parents hated me. I mean, I was not even allowed to go visit my father's parents because I was not accepted. So you are not, you were, um, is, did your mom have a baby out of wedlock? And so that's yes. why you look different. Okay. So that yes. makes sense. So your dad. For being very Catholic. Yes. A hundred percent. And I'm Catholic too. I understand. Um, so that makes sense that you were the one that was the recipient of such horrible abuse. And I, uh, that's devastating to hear. So it started young, right? And then you went on. It started really young. Yeah. Okay. And then tell me about like what happened. You were able to go on, but you, you were, um, tell me the story of being sold off. I hate to jump ahead. No, no, no. Um, so my, my mom sent me away to Mexico cause she had, had brutally beat me and I missed two weeks of school. So she hid me at her brother's house. She was getting everything ready to send me away to Mexico. Sure enough, you know, I got sent to Mexico. Um, at that time, I, I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, I cried a lot because I was scared. Um, in our village, everybody knows everybody. And there was this gentleman, he was about almost 28 years older than me. I was 14 and a half. At that time, my Spanish was horrible, horrible. Um, so it was hard for me to communicate with my cousins, with my grandparents, but, you know, I had no, I had had no choice, but I had to learn how to speak proper Spanish. Um, how I mentioned that my parents are very, very strict. Grandparents are very strict. How like we are not allowed to interact with men, mm-hmm. even with our brothers or cousins. So there's this guy, um, very, very well known, wealthy. They owned a huge business and I saw him and my grandfather talking and I didn't think nothing of it, but I had a weird feeling that it made me very uncomfortable. And my grandfather told me, hey, uh, I gave you permission to go have dinner with him. Uh, This is weird. You're allowing me to get in the car with him without having someone to supervise us. But okay, sure you were enough. Only, you were only 14 and a half? Four, 14 and a half, 14 oh and a half. Okay. So I had a weird feeling something was going to happen. You know, when you have that gut feeling, yeah. you got to listen to it. Oh, it did. I never came back. Um, he took me away. I was raped at age 
12th here in California by a gang member. And rape, I didn't know what rape meant. I didn't. I don't know how, I didn't even know what molestation meant. So when he, the older man was raping me, he realized that I wasn't a virgin. And he was disgusted. He beat me so bad. Um, but I didn't know how to tell him what happened. But to him, I was a whore. And I'm disgusting. But because what happened, you know, I'm here trying to tell my grandparents because we came back and I'm bruised. It was horrible. No, nope, you don't have no choice. You guys are going to get married. Please listen to me begging up. No, you're going to get married. Sure enough, we got married by civil. What saved me was I have a dual citizenship. So in here in the United States, my birth certificate's Marie Jacaranda, middle name Gomez. In Mexico, is Jacaranda Marie Gomez. So when I signed the forms, I signed Marie. So when he went to go get the forms from the court, uh, it's annulled. You're not legally married because it doesn't match your birth certificate. That was my blessing. That was like, oh, I'm saved. But then I'm still going to be suffering with this man. So you knew that you weren't legally married when you got. No, you he did. told me afterwards. He told he you. Was so he told you that you were married, but you signed your name a different way. Different way. Did you How know I, that at your no, young No, I didn't. Oh, no. okay. No. I don't I just signed how I usually signed back in back home in Cal in United States in California. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I did. Mm -hmm. So that happened in November 1993. Um that's why for me holidays was horrible because one, I never had a holiday. Two, that's when he pretty much kidnapped me in November. So in December, I was desperate. I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I wanted it to commit suicide yeah. because my body couldn't handle the, the stress anymore. Being rejected by my family, not having help, no one to cry to, you know, no one, someone to hug me. But it's devastating. You, know, you were, you went, you, it is like you're, you're a mom and we'll get into that later. But, yeah. you know, just to, just to like be brought into a world feeling Ill illegitimate, like you're not part of the family, being abused like you were, being sent off, hiding your bruises, being raped at such a young age then being sold off like anybody like uh, children's brains don't develop until fully until uh, they're adults at 25. So it makes sense that you obviously had major, major PTSD, you know, from all of the stuff that you were going through and had gone through. What, what, like, how did you live that life? Like, how long were you in that situation with that man? And how many years older was he than you, by the way? He was 24 years older than me. Oh, 24. Yeah. Um, so I, I was with him for three and a half months. Thankfully, I never got pregnant, which that was a blessing for me. Yeah. Um, but it, 
it was it was hard, Megan, because before my grandfather gave me away, um, my mom. I, I'm gonna go back real quick. When while living there in Mexico, before I was introduced to this man, yeah, you know how I mentioned that I was not allowed to do anything but to clean and work. So once a week or every other day, my this lady um, would come to our house and she would inject me some drug intravenous. Like she would get the tourniquet and you should have seen my arms. I looked like a heroin addict. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being so weak. And I remember holding her hand. And I told her no mas means no more. And she just started crying. She hugged me and told me your mom made me do this. Please forgive me. I never saw her after that. What was what was she injecting you with? To be honest, Megan, I really don't know. All I know, I was getting so weak. Like I had no energy. I gosh, I think at that time I weighed about 100 pounds um because I was constantly sleeping. You know, I was just vomiting, just had no appetite. It's, it was it was weird. So how I started remembering this is you know, later on in my adulthood, when I had to do some blood work, it brought back memories. I started panicking. Yeah. It brought me flashbacks because of what happened. And I started realizing, okay, Teresa, which is the mom, um, she kept saying that I was sick. I was sick. I was sick. But in deep down, I felt like I wasn't sick. All I knew I was depressed, but I didn't know what depression meant because again, we were never educated about that. Um, so dealing with that in Mexico, then dealing with this man, you know, it, it was so hard for me. I was just mentally, emotionally tired. But I remember one time my grandmother, who was nice to me when my family were around, because there were times that my grandfather, when he would hit me, he would hide me in a corral. So this corral is where we would put um, horse food or corn and you could see rats running around and they would lock me in there. I had a little window and my grandmother would come and bring me water. If I had to go to the restroom, there you go. There's a corner right there. So it was hard. It was hard. But I remember my grandmother telling me, mija means daughter, please, please, please treat people the way you always want to be treated. At first, I didn't understand what that meant, but it hit me hard. Later on as an adult, I remember I always wanted to be treated with love, you know, with kindness. I love to hug Megan because I never had that. So for me to hug, it just, it feels so good because I know like, you know, I'm not alone. And even though if you're having a bad day, I know people, I'm not a hugger. I know you're not a hugger, but sometimes you you need it. So how do, how do you be? How do you remain not to skip ahead? But how do you remain so positive and not have like maybe I'm jumping ahead like no, a no. hardened hardened heart or hardened soul? Like I know for me, I struggle oh, I with like anger issues and like things like probably stemming from my childhood or people hurting me in adulthood or whatever it is where I just shut down 
you know, like I shut down and I push people away because I don't, I can't. How do you, how are you so like positive and not hardened by all the things you went through? And maybe I'm skipping ahead. To be honest, no, you're not. No, you're not. Um, to be honest with you, yes, I was angry. Mm-hmm. I was so angry. I was angry to the world. Um, I wasn't re- religious, but I was angry to God for allowing me, allowing my family to hate me so much. But then I go back and think about what my grandmother said to me. And what am I going to win, Megan, if being angry pushing people who actually do care about me away. I'm not going to win anything. I'm just going to close doors, which I don't want. You know, for me, it's like, yes, there was other ways. I could have looked into drugs to numb my pain. I could have killed myself. But then that's giving my family what they wanted. You know, no, I don't want to do that. I want to start a new chapter and put my past in the back bury it and don't look back and move forward. And yeah, okay. I, all right. I suffered. All right. What else? I can handle it. But I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people are not like, that's why I think there's so many angry people in the world or negative people that they're not, they're not able to do that. Like, it's like your childhood defines you, right? And then you take on that anger from your childhood and you bring it into your adulthood and then it's the cycle. So people like you are the minority of being able to remain positive and do like, I'm assuming the work, which we'll get into in in a bit. Um, to go backwards a little bit, how did you escape your, um, your first husband? Oh, that was hard. Um, so at that time I do have, like I mentioned my older sister, she was already living in Seattle and when every, his family, my husband was away doing his business. Um, I begged, I begged, I begged my sister to save me, to please save me. I can't handle it anymore. But she was afraid because she didn't want to get in trouble by my mom. Yeah. At that time, she was married and her husband convinced her, we need to save your sister. So she, they managed to buy me an airplane ticket. Um, he was going to be out of town. So I begged his parents. His parents didn't want me there. So it actually worked out. So I packed everything, drove me three hours to Guadalajara, the main city, and just left me there. And at that time I was scared because I don't know how to interact with a stranger. And what am I going to tell them? Cause I'm a minor at that time. But for some reason, something just was protecting me, I should say, and guided me. So from Mexico, I flew to here in California from California. And then I went to Seattle. So it was a long flight. I was excited to see my sister, give her a hug and get to know my sister and my brother-in-law. Oh, it's snowing. I've never seen snow. I'm like, wow, this is cool. Where's my sister? Crickets, crickets. It's already 11 o'clock at night. The security officer is like, you've been here for many hours. Are you, are you expecting someone? He goes, yeah, my, you know, my sister's coming, you know, but I couldn't find her number. So I finally found her number. It was already one in the morning. 
woke her up. She was extremely upset. I woke her up and I was not supposed to be there. So she forgot about me. Um, but eventually they did pick me up. Not even a hug from my sister. Not even tell me like, sis, you're safe now. Mm-hmm. You're here with us. Not even that. So it was really hard. It was really so, hard. So did you end up living with her? What happened? No. Okay. She sent me back to my mom, back to, I, excuse me for saying this, but back to the hellhole. Um, so you were sent back to your mom and dad. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately. And how old were you at that? But now I'm now 16, 16 or 17 around okay. that age, still young. Okay. Um, but my mom was determined to send me back to Mexico. She did not want me here. So I managed to keep all my, like my school ID, the letter, because at that time, you know, passport was not mandatory. So I had like a letter, an ordinary letter saying that it's okay for me to travel by myself. So I had a cousin here in, in California who was old enough to be my guardian. So I begged her, can you please help me enroll in high school I don't want to go back to back to Mexico because my mom is already getting ready to send me back. So if I stay in school, maybe the school can save me and protect me. And of course she was afraid, but she knew I needed help. Yeah. And if it wouldn't be from that, Megan, I think I would have been back in Mexico. And yeah, I, I enrolled in school. Yeah. So then what, so then you got put in high school were you still living at home at that time or did you? I'm, no, unfortunately I was, but okay. it was hard. It was really hard because I was getting bullied at school. Uh-huh. So I'm like, can I just get a break? Yeah. But I had a wonderful high school counselor, the principal, you know, they, they were like kind of like my guardian angels. They protected me. They helped me. You know, I would stay after school because I had so much catching up to do and they would help me, teach me. And, you know, yeah, my at that time, my grammar wasn't the greatest. So, so, yeah, I got teased about that. But I had to block them. You know, I, I just didn't want to let them get to me. Because if I allowed them to get to me, I was going to go backwards. And I didn't want that. Well, that's a, that, it's an interesting point that you say this. And I will tell you that. Uh, many of the guests that I have on this show on my podcast are people that are fighters, right? And they manifest ways out. My past episode um, with with Judy V, she was um, she was beaten and sexually abused by her father, trapped in a bit, basically trapped in a house and escaped at fifteen. And she said she just manifested like manifesting is so important. And I'm wondering, is that because it's like, I am understand, I want to understand how you're able to continue to be beaten down, pushed down, pushed down, pushed down and pull yourself out of it. So do you even understand how you did it or what you did or because you were so be young honest with you? No. No, no, to be honest, you just no, knew to I, go on. I just knew I'd go on. Isn't it interesting I, though yeah. that pe- some people, right? If you go through things from a young age, whether it be loss 
or for in your case, abuse, all the constant abuse that you like, I find that people that go through really hard things in their childhood take, like I said earlier, could take two paths. But one is just of acceptance and fighting and continuing to be a fighter and move past it. And so in some ways, you're like, when you've gone through hard things in life at a young age, you go, well, this is my next plan. Like you always have things planned out. Are you like that? Because that's what it sounds to me like you are. You're like, (laughs) plan A didn't work. I could end up potentially being like sent away or whatever it is. So I'm going to go to plan B and I always have these plans of what I'm going to do, even if, even if no one else. So it's a, it's a skill. It's a real skill. Yes. And, and I love too what you said earlier. I don't know how, like what point you said it, but you said somehow it was something, whether it's God or spirituality that, that this is just my own personal opinion. I talk a lot about is spirituality and knowing that, um, some people go through these things in life, you know, and we all will, what were not abuse or rape or the horrible things that you went through, but just loss and grief and pain and knowing that we'll never understand why we go through these things, but knowing that like there is a, a God in my, that's what I believe at least something that's with us. And if you really believe in that, then it kind of like helps carry you through. And I'm wondering if you think that way too. Oh, I do. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Mm -hmm. So for some reason, like I always felt that like, so I got married young, my second. Um, At age 20, I got pregnant and then I got married to a horrible man, um, law enforcement. And I attempt to find someone who reminds me about my past, my dad. Yeah. And sure enough, I found him. Uh, it's a very common yeah. theme. You look, cause it that's is. what you're used to. Like, so you're yes. like, this is like the type of man. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I've been taught. 
that that's not your fault, which I know I, I'm, I'm sure you understand that now that they're just patterns, right? Yes. It was a pattern. And, you know, to be honest with you, I was never in love with my ex-husband, but I needed to get away from my parents. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. I needed a break. And sure enough, you know, I got my break, which, okay, I, I thought maybe I'm going to be happy and have a great life with the white picket fence, a beautiful house with nice cars, like the Jones. You know, yeah, I did have a nice house, but I was not happy because he controlled me. I had to ask permission. Can I go get a haircut? Can I go buy a bra? Um, I want, I, you know, take the girls, you know, my daughters to McDonald's. So he would give me an allowance and that allowance would be for a week. And that would be including my coffee. Cause let me tell you, I love my coffee. Starbucks is my favorite. I love coffee too. <laughs> oh, I, I can't function without my coffee. <laughs> me too. Um, so, you know, I, one day, like I, ha- I went to go get a haircut. He gave me his card. You can't buy anything. This is for your haircut only. So I told my hairstylist, I need shampoo, but this could be my, my allowance. Marie, don't do it. No, no, no. I, oh, Marie, you know, it's not a good idea. I should have listened to her because, yeah, he got the shampoo, returned it, and I was not allowed to go back to my hairstylist. So I'm going to jump real quick. Yeah. The abuse got worse. The abuse got worse with my ex-husband, and especially with him for being a law enforcement. He did a lot, a lot of reverse ecology. You're cuckoo, cuckoo. Oh, you're going to be okay. And it's just, he was literally driving me crazy. I think I'd rather be hit. I know I shouldn't, that's not a good say to say, but I'd rather be hit than be mentally, verbally abused because it's like a tattoo. It stays in you. And then I start believing that maybe I am crazy. Maybe, you know, he's right me because of my past. But for some reason, something told me that you're not. Don't fall for it. I want to leave him so bad. But in our culture, we're not allowed to get divorced. It's not an option. You're going to be married. Don't even think about having an education. Don't think about, you know, being a partner. No, that's out of the topic. At that time, my daughter, um, my oldest, she was 10 years old, and my youngest daughter was five. And of course, not to he was interrupt you, me. but you have, yeah. two, so you have two daughters, two daughters, five yes. years apart. I call them my guardian angels. Okay. You had them very young, I'm assuming, because you got very married young. very young. Very young. Um, by the way, I have two daughters too. I don't know. And one, they're four years apart and they, well, I wouldn't say that one of them's my guardian angel at this exact moment because today she told me, um, she said some not very nice things to me on the way to school uh, today, <laughs> but you know, to, you know I how do. girls are. And that's a joke, by the oh, way. Oh, um, I know. Well, they, I do call my girls. Uh-huh. My, my oldest is the earthquake. My second is my aftershock. Because, you know, the, you know, when an earthquake, it trembles. Yeah. The aftershock likes to go there and just to you know, continue the, the scare. That's how my younger is. But they know it and I think it's funny. But Yeah. And having two little girls, like you understand, they're like the biggest blessings and oh, just are. wonderful, like gifts they from are. God. Yeah. Well, so, Megan, I, I'm not going to. 
Go ahead. I was afraid to be a mom because I did not want to be my mom. I didn't know how to give love because I never got it. But for some reason, something told me, do not repeat their story. You're going to do everything in your power to teach your daughter's love. Constantly tell them that I love you. I love you, mommy. love you, mama. It's, I, I don't, gosh, I can't get enough of it. And yeah. no, I do not want to repeat my, my, my family story. There's no way. And I'm no, sure no you're way. a really good mom. And, and, oh and I'm sure you felt, I'm wondering when you gave birth, because I, and I'm going back a little bit in your story, but for me, like I struggled to get pregnant with my first one. I had loss and it was just very hard. Both of them, my second one, I had a hard time too. But, but I remember with my first, just feeling like, cause you know, I had gone through a lot of stuff in my childhood and the adulthood. Um, but feeling like this love that I had never felt in my whole life. And I think a lot of mothers talk about this. And since it is Mother's Day, why not touch on it? Almost Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Happy Mother's yeah. Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. Um, just this incredible like gift just to be like, oh, my gosh, like I have this human. I'm in charge of this human. And this is my this is like such a gift. So like for, for you, I'm wondering with all the hardships and all the hell, like literally you've been through hell. Oh yeah. Oh to yeah. Be, to be given that gift, you know, and know like there is hope, there is love. There is like the most amazing things in life, even out of the hardest things. Right. And I'm wondering how you felt when you gave birth for the very first time after all of that hell that you had been through. And I don't want to go it was back. Hard. No, no, no. It, it was really hard. It was really hard because like I mentioned, I, I wasn't sure if I was able to, to be a good mom Yeah, because I never had that. No one taught me. And all I know is being abused and constantly being hit and, you know, not having clean, nice clothes and, I would always have to wear the same clothes, crusty socks. You know, at that time, my hair was so long because I was not allowed to cut my hair. This was and when so you were kid, newly married. Kid, yeah. No, no, no. This is uh, when I was an adolescent age. Oh, when you were young. Okay. Younger. Yeah. When I was about- I was wondering, I was wondering about like how you felt when you gave birth, like when you were given oh, that like life to-, to It brought did me it, joy. It brought you back like a piece of like, this is why I'm here, right? A purpose, I would say. I'm asking. No, no, it did. Especially because I breastfed my my two daughters for two years. Uh That was like a nice bonding for me. Like, like, you know, just brought me so much joy. Like I, I, I I enjoyed it. It it brought me love. Kind of like, you know how the Grinch, his heart was Hard, gold, I mean, cold. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, they showed him true love and his heart got big. Yeah. Well, that's how I felt. Once I had my daughter, Rebecca, my oldest, she just brought me joy and gave me new love, a new beginning. And yeah, it was amazing. I, I didn't might mean to sidetrack into that, no. but I just, I no. thought, I thought it was an important point 
to bring up because it oh. is your story is one of like so much loss, so much abuse, so much tragedy, and then marrying this your your husband, your second husband, the enemy, the enemy, yeah, and then but then the the gift of out of that having your two children. Um, I just wanted to ask it made you me about fight. that. Yeah, no, it made me to be stronger and fight for my kids and teach my daughters that we're going to be independent and we can do it. And, you know, always talk to me, tell me everything. And because no one taught me that. So it's kind of embarrassing because my daughters to this day still teach me. There's certain things that I don't understand, but I'm not embarrassed to ask. I'm not embarrassed to tell people, yeah, my daughters are kind of correct me sometimes, but Hey, what can I say? They're probably pretty inspired by you and pretty proud of you. So how did you get away from the second husband? Was it just a divorce and you left him? No. Oh, Megan, it wasn't easy. I Uh, wish it was that easy, right? Yeah, it it wasn't because I had no friends. I had no family. I had no job, no education. All I knew is to be a mom. How how am I going to do this? How can I afford an attorney? Who am I going to go to? I didn't know how to do all that because I depended on him. But when Rebecca had told me, Mama, when are you going to leave, Dad? When are you going to stop crying? That was my blessing right there. I don't know how I did it, Megan. I managed to find an attorney, reached out to her. And she goes, don't worry, we'll make him pay for my fees. I'm like, can we do that? Absolutely. So yeah, we, the first thing, my, the first thing what I did, Megan, because, you know, we got married in a Catholic church, you know, I had my wedding dress and it was in a box. So Monday is our trash day. So I'm standing out there, out in the corner with my box. I look like a cycle person. <laughs> and I had the, the box and the rosary and everything. And the guys were like, uh, you sure you want to throw that away? I'm like, yes, no, you maybe want to keep it for your daughters. No. Cause I don't want my daughters to have bad luck. No. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. I grabbed the stuff, threw it there. And that was like such a great relief. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. It's, it's on now. And sure enough, I, I don't know how I did it, Megan, but I did it. But you would think that it would be easy, but it wasn't. You know, he he made it very difficult for me. He started abusing my girls. Um, he literally in his declaration told him that I was sexually molesting my little girl. And I didn't know what that meant. I seriously didn't know what that meant. Yes, I breastfed my daughter for two years. Each mom, any mom who breastfed their children will agree with me. It's a bonding. Of course, you know when is. your daughter and that's that's he sounds like a, a monster, and 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 that's he is awful. Um, it is, but go ahead. Yeah, it it was hard because they had to have a minors council to talk to my daughters. I mean, it was pretty bad. It was, you know, I. I moved out. I got a little apartment, but I was scared. I don't know how to pay the bills. I didn't know how to, how am I able to apply for a job? How am I going to be able to support my daughters? 
Well, tell so me managed- about that. What did you do? So you got away, you were dealing with I got the away. Court, which by the way, just dealing so you with know, to this day, the something that I'm dealing, I'm, I have a dear friend that I love um, to pieces. She's, it's weird. We've, we met not that long ago, less than a year ago. And sometimes people come into your li- life for like, I believe in like destiny and all that stuff. Oh, I do. And we saved each, she saved me right when I needed to be saved from bad girl friendships. And thankfully I have some amazing friends and things turn and things have a way of working themselves out. But she is going through dealing with the court system and it's still to this day, so unfair what women have to go through and how women are not believed and, um, and the laws and how the man who's the breadwinner is able, and I did an episode not very long ago with a woman, similar situation, um, husband was in law enforcement and armed services, and he was able to manipulate the system. Yes. And it's just, it's not right. It's not fair. Um, so I had to point that little point out. How, how were you able to like, kind of get through the system, find a job, get to where you are today. And I'm not trying to like rush the story. No, 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 no. So what I, so I, I would love, I love going to the market. I don't know why it's like my mall. And I made friends with the cashiers, with the store managers. And I asked them, you know, like, can I apply here? But I don't have any experience because don't worry, we'll teach you. So I applied at bonds. I was working at the service deli. Then I started working, um, teaching water aerobic. That's what kind of helped me too, Megan. I love, I love mountain biking. That's like my savior. Yeah. I love the nature. So I started teaching water aerobics. So two jobs and I enrolled in school at Chafee College, you know, for nursing because I, I needed to, I needed a job. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to depend on spousal and child support because you know that's not going to last. And well, let's go back for a I little bit, do? not to interrupt you, but you know what? No, no, exactly no. what you're saying. And I pointed this out earlier. You find ways. You're a fighter. Yes. Fighters find ways. So you said, step one, I'm going to like go work at the grocery store. I'm going to step two, do water aerobics. Step three, and you find ways. And it's, that is an actual gift, something that fighters, people that go through trauma and PTSD and all the things that you went through as a child find ways. And so I want to point that out, that there's always a way. And if you really want something. And there was, yeah, you've got to fight for it and get it. Yeah. And I did, I did. And let me tell you, it was exhausting, but like even when we were going to court, the judge even said, I, I know you don't have any family and I'm happy that you're going to school. You have two jobs, but who's helping you when, when you're at school watching your girls, that freaked me out, but yeah. I had no one yeah. because let's do this. Let your, your ex-husband have the kids like 70% and you will have the kids like 50 and a half percent. Once you're situated and graduated with school, we will modify and you can have your girls 100%. But you will get spousal support. You will get child support. For some reason, it just didn't feel right. But I was, 
I believed it because no one ever guided me. No one told me, Marie, don't fall for it. Don't do it. I did it. So sure enough, yeah, he, like how you mentioned earlier, they know how to work this system. Mm-hmm. Oh, he knew. Oh, he knew how to work the system. So I'm here, full-time student, jobs. You know, it, it, was, it was so hard for me. So he managed to go to another county to child, child, child support services. And the judge said, like, you only have your daughter 50%. You don't deserve child support. I'm going to revoke it starting right now. And all I remember, I fainted. Once he looked at me, boom, I fell. I don't even understand how that's possible. Like, why is that? Exactly. Yeah. It's unbelievable to me that these things happen. And you're sitting there. We don't have voices. We don't have voices. We have a voice. We don't. We don't have voices, period. And don't get me started with this stuff because (laughs) I will literally (laughs) go off. And you don't want to see that. But like, look at what's happening today. And I never get political on this podcast, but I will tell you that like, whatever your thoughts on are on Roe v. Wade, wherever you stand, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, a woman's choice is a woman's choice. And no law and no court system should tell women, especially men, by the way, that are making these laws, what women should and should not do with their bodies. Period. Wherever you stand, wherever you stand. And it's just such a corrupt legal system that, that, that we could do a whole nother five episodes just about this. Um, No, no, Megan, it's like, no, I was desperate and I tried to apply for food stamps, you know? Oh yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't qualify for that. So how do I need to work? And the car wash so I can qualify for food. So what did you I do? Feed my how, did you get, how did you get out of it? How did you move oh, on? Guardian angels. Yeah. So I had just graduated from school. And at that time, they were allowing walk-ins to turn in your resume. Well, let me tell you, my resume sucked because <laughs> it's only the market. But I, I met with the HR. She liked me. And she goes, I'm going to hire you but I need your license. If you could call Sacramento and give me the number, I will hire you. I'll give you a full-time position for the night shift. Oh, you should have seen it. This is for nursing. For nursing. Okay. So right after that, I call Sacramento. I spoke to the right person. I got my number provided to HR. I didn't even get interviewed. I got hired. Okay, you're going to start orientation next week. You have to buy scrubs. You have to, like, I felt like a little kid. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to wear scrubs. It was like, a, like oh, and honored. Um, and I got the job. And that's when it came into when I was desperate. And yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it, it was hard yeah. because I was constantly getting bullied at, at work. I end up getting promoted to be a patient advocate. Oh, nobody accepted that. I deserve to be an advocate. You know, someone keyed my car. I'm like, what did I do to you? But Marie, you fought through all of this stuff because this is something you've taught yourself from a young age as the fighter that you are. So you're, so, so, so today are you, you're a nurse? Well, actually, um, 
I'm now a liaison at a beautiful, two beautiful hospitals, behavioral health hospital in Aliso Viejo in Anaheim. That's how I met John. Oh, you know, because our little constantly... the little angel, yeah, that my it. little angel. Yeah, because I usually get asked, "Are you one of us?" Because are you in recovery? No, I'm not, but I am you. Uh, in what way? Yeah, in every way. But you don't look like right. But what am I going to get out of it? You know, I no, I'm not going to show that I, I I do have some hurt feelings. But you know what? It's okay. I'm well, not, how can you not have hurt yeah. feelings? Like yeah. you can't go through all the things that you went through. We're we're human, right? We're yeah. people. But I the, here's the thing, and I wish I could like spend another hour talking to you, um, because I know my listeners. There's more. <laughs> there's more. Yeah. There's more. Yeah. There's so much determination in your story of being a fighter, a mother, like getting through all that stuff, getting to your, where you are today. Um, life's never going to be perfect ever. It's, no, it's, it's always not, a fight. Wow. But, but what I want to for me, Megan. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you know, for me, after having a stroke five years ago, you yeah, know, so March was my something. five year anniversary. Yeah, it, it was. Do you hard. know, I just did an episode about strokes actually recently. I saw that. Yes. Did you? Do you? What caused your stroke? Just we'll touch on that. Stress. Stress. High blood pressure. Stress. stress. So high blood. So it wasn't. What, I was thirty-six cur- years old. No, it was carotid brain artery. Aneurysm. No, it was stress. I I didn't know I had high blood pressure, uh-huh. and I was at work at my old job. And I was having like chest pains, but I didn't think nothing of it. And because I was working a lot because I, I needed to save money because I wanted to support my daughters. You know, I'm the mom, I'm the dad. And in the morning I was starting to feel chest pains and all of a sudden, boom, it hit me. So I had a, um, a little blood clot through my artery and that's what caused it from the heart. And, and all of this stuff, by the way, stress leads to, to me. so many health problems, like physical yes. ailments. Um, but it, but like people don't seem to understand. Have you ever been diagnosed with anything like mentally, like mental health related, like complex? No. Like, so I'm, I was diagnosed a few years ago with complex PTSD stemming from my childhood and the trauma that I went through the I, I like you, God forbid I have a stroke, but I stress like you wouldn't believe. And I, I, I can't get past it. And I always freak out about strokes or aneurysms or all of that stuff, like thinking things in my head. Did you end up having long-term, um, I made it, I made it on time to get TPA. Okay. Uh, You know, it's for me, what hurts the most that my oldest daughter witnessed everything. Because when you, I was, did ha- you have slurred speech or like? I, w- I my face was getting droopy, uh-huh. slurred speech, confusion, left side weakness, and my daughter knew something wasn't right. Yeah. And so one of my doctor friends, um, Doctor Lequanin, he like, hey, are you driving? No, I'm driving. My mom doesn't look right. Take your mom to a nearby hospital. Um. So she took me here in Glendora, at Fulher Press. 
and I couldn't walk. And I was just standing there and my daughter started screaming. My mom's having a stroke and they looked, they, no, there's no way she's too young. As soon as they took me in the back, they checked my vitals. They did the assessment, the stroke assessment. All I remember, they picked up their red phone and called a stroke and I forgot everything. So I was under within Within three hours, like I was getting close to the point that I was never, I was not going to able to qualify for the TPA. At that time, Rebecca was like 17 and a half and she was my only guardian. So they had to ask her permission. Like your mom needs TPA. Can we give your mom TPA? What is TPA? And is that, it's like intravenous, intravenous blood thinner. Okay. So it is, it dissolves the blood clot. Okay. And sure enough, um, they were going to send me to a stroke unit in Covina, but they didn't have any beds. So I ended up staying at Foothill Press. And sure enough, I started to get my my feeling back. Yes, my leg was super heavy, but I was starting to remember stuff. And I had amazing nurses. They were like my guardian angels. They were so nice to me. And this is the reason why I love the medical field. And yeah, not to a lot of nurses are not the greatest, but majority of them are amazing. Yeah, the majority of nurses are in it yeah. for the right reasons, especially exactly. going through COVID and all the things they've had to endure, which I, I know you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, how but is yeah. your health today? Like, are you doing okay? I'm doing okay. Yeah, okay. I, I have my moments. Um, I do. I, sometimes when I'm tired, I start slurring. Um, I, you know, my left side, you know, my leg gets heavy sometimes but I'm not going to let it get to me. Well, uh-uh. No, 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 no. You're a fighter. Step I'm a fighter. One, step yes. two, yeah. step three. Um, I, I, Marie, I could talk to you for hours. Um, maybe we'll do a follow-up episode, but I, yeah, for, my, for my listeners, and I also want to point out this, your story is one of just overcoming the worst things that you can imagine. You should be hopefully writing a book or, you know, doing, continuing to share your story to help other people. It's so important because it's just a reminder that, um, you could be going through abuse, loss, the loss of a parent, the loss of any, anything. There's so many hard things to go through in life, but if you listen to stories like Marie or Judy V who was on my last episode or just so many of these stories, they all have so many common themes that are in common, which is I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And I, and I started this, uh, this podcast as a reminder that I was in the darkest place and I personally chose to keep going. It doesn't mean every day is easy. Doesn't mean I don't have my days where I want to like flip the bird to like people Um, or, (laughs) you know, we all struggle. We're all human. Like you pointed out, it's not always going to be easy and we're going to have to continue to work through things. But if you're listening to this today, you're worth it. You need to keep going. Um, If Marie is not a testament to somebody that's a full struggle and could be in a, in a ring with uh, the best of the boxers, I don't know who is Um, Marie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And thank you for inviting me. Oh my gosh. You're an amazing, amazing person. And thank you for coming on. Um, In closing, um, I want you to know that I just forgot what my closing is. (laughs) 
I'm like, you're like one of those people that I meet and I'm like, wait a minute. I can't believe that people like this exist and they just continue to keep living their life and going. In closing, be happy by making other people happy. Thank you, Marie. Yes.